Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Roasted Games Podcast. I am Kaz Gable. And I'm Bill Price. And today we are a little light on the, at least I am a little light on the games we've played list. I think I only have one to talk about, and that's only because I played it yesterday, because I have been out of town. How have you been? You've been going to yes. you got, went to game night, and you've got some plays in. Yeah, I've got a got a couple. Do um, heavy lifting on this segment. Yes. So um, one is a four player game of Dead Man's Cabal, which we've talked about in depth, and I won't get into. But uh, I totally won by like a hundred plus points. <laughs> um, which so what I've decided is that I'm only going to play uh, this game with people who've never played before. <laughs> And I'm not going to give any strategy tips or anything <laughs> like that. And I'm just going to destroy them. <laughs> and once they get it, they're like, oh, I see. You're like, no, done. That was cool. your one yep. chance. Sorry. Yeah. I guess I'm going to have to find somebody Should else to play this with. Yep. I don't know why you're yeah. using your skulls like that. but So then I, um, I'm like, you want to collect as many skulls as possible. That's the whole key to the game. Yes. It's yeah. not. But, you know. <laughs> just um, get in there. and Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the other one is uh, Sushi Roll which I finally got around to playing. Well, I just got for my birthday, actually. And uh, I've played now, gosh, five or six times. And um, I really, really like it. I'm a big fan of Sushi Go to begin with. And this plays very similar to Sushi Go, except it's drafting dice instead of drafting cards. And um, it, it seems like if you just sit there and think and you're like, oh, well, it's literally the same game. Like, what's right, the point right. here? Um, it's it's a lot more interactive. It feels more interactive. It feels like you have more kind of control over not only your own uh, destiny, what you end up with, but you can uh, almost take that with other players, but less against the player and more just to advantage yourself. There's never any ability to like pick on somebody just because you don't like them right, or you right. know like the typical take that where it's like find a player and send them back to start <laughs> and you're like, but For why no reason yeah okay I, I guess instead it's more like hey this person has something that's better than any of the ones you have but every time you pass the dice you re-roll them gotcha. so you don't know what die face is coming to you uh, but you know what color die are coming to you because each each like category has a different color die there's like five different colors oh okay so you can say okay i have this sashimi which by itself is worth no points Ooh, and i don't have any blue dice coming to me but the guy across from me has a sashimi and it's my turn i'm gonna go ahead and use my chopsticks i'm gonna swap one of my die for that sashimi okay and you know, he's probably not going to take it anyway, right. uh, or, you know, but, but it's, it's one of those things where you, you do have a little more control. How many um, dice do you start with going around? It's dependent the... on the number of players. I think with, uh, five players, it was seven die. Oh, okay. And I think with, uh, like four player, I think it's uh six die or no eight die. So okay. there's more, the lower the player count, the more dice you start with. Um, the higher the player count, uh, the less dice you start with. I think with a full five, I think it's six die. Oh. Six or seven. Oh, interesting. Um, <clears throat> so it's uh, it's similar in card count uh, to the way that Sushi Go yeah. goes. Um, so I really, uh, I, I really like it because it does feel less like you're just playing a solitaire game. Right, right, right. Uh, and it feels much more interactive. Yeah. So, yeah, interesting. Uh, yeah, I actually... I, I don't necessarily want to say I prefer 
<laughs> I prefer it to party because I, I like the original uh, Sushi Go to party anyway, but... Um, I like to watch it party. Like yeah, party. you know, I, I I don't like party as much, uh, but I really like Sushi Roll. I'd, yeah. I'd recommend it. And I think it is a game... Uh, if, if anyone's wondering, hey, I have Sushi Go, am I going to play Sushi Roll? I think so. I think they're both worth having. They're they're different games. Okay. So, uh, but close enough that they feel so familiar that you're like, oh, I get this. You don't yeah. really have to explain Sushi Roll, like the scoring and stuff, uh, too much to people who, who are Sushi Go players. Yeah. So. I want to play it because it, it, just hearing about it, I just it's hard to imagine how it aligns the same with a dice because it's interesting there's less dice so when you match the dice you're just matching like how many dice are the most you're getting at the end of the round or are you getting uh well you're you're getting uh the full batch of however many you start with so like if it's seven die you'll end up with seven die on your oh you individually have seven in your yes personally oh okay each player grabs for some reason i thought there was like a pile of seven that was just yeah i don't know why i thought that because that's totally different from even regular sushi go right so it's like like being dealt uh, cards yes so you have more information of like what's coming on the pike i get yes so that's the big difference yeah so everybody has like these conveyor belts that they have their dice they roll their dice put them on the conveyor belt gotcha and then it's uh instead of everyone kind of choosing it once it's turn-based Gotcha. Okay. All right. Uh, and there's there's reroll oh, tokens okay. and chopsticks and things that uh, will allow you to, to swap oh, yeah, yeah. out. All stuff right. So that does sound more like, in, yeah, the interactivity there sounds really interesting. Yeah, it's uh, it definitely is more of a um, an, an interactive game than than Sushi Go. So I, yeah, cool. I'm in. Dice win again. Yes. Um, so those are my two. Those are really oh, okay. the only two that I've I've played. Uh, the only one I've played is uh, The Duke, and I um, have been meaning to play this one for a while, and I finally got my hands on it, and I am really glad I did. I want to play this. Uh, show you this one, actually. This one is really I saw great. It. I, I saw it. It looks beautiful. It's really like, cool. Yeah. It looks like somebody like, handcrafted it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it definitely does. Um, the, so The Duke is, is the closest thing. It's very inspired by chess, and it feels like chess. But it feels like like everyone tries to update all these ancient games. I think The Duke is the first one I've ever played that I'm like, you did it. Good job. <laughs> you guys nice. actually did it. This, this feels like an updated version of chess, um, and I really enjoyed it. So the, basically the premise is very similar in uh, chess. You are two-player. It's a two-player game. You're doing head-to-head. You have um, one royal person, which is your duke, that you are. that is the cornerstone of everything. So if, if he dies, you lose, or if he gets trapped, you lose. But what's really interesting about this game is that, well, a few things. The first thing, though, is unlike chess, where you start with your whole army on the board, the duke, you start with the duke on the board and then two footmen, and that's it. And then on your turn, you can choose to move one of those characters or recruit another um, piece from your army or your grab bag to the board. And when you bring oh. them out, they always have to be placed octagonally to the duke. They have to be placed next to the duke somehow in an open space. Okay. And so or- that orthogonally. Orthogonally is that it? <laughs> octagonally. octagonally. <laughs> no, in an octagon. <laughs> Figure might, it out. <laughs> that might be a word. I, I mean, it is. Yeah. Orthogonally. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So they have to play next to the duke and. That space can be blocked by your piece or another player's piece. So you can't capture an opponent by bringing out a piece. You know what I mean? Okay. So if there's someone next to your duke, you can't be like, ha-ha, sucker, my pikeman came out and jumped <laughs> on top of you. So so you can't do Nailed that. Nailed it. Uh, the other thing that's really fascinating about this game is each piece has its own two uh, a distinct move set of two different moves. The pieces are flat pieces of wood. They're tiles. 
and each move set is printed very clearly on whatever side is facing up is the active move. So when you bring a piece out, it starts with one move, but then you do that move, and then you flip over the piece after the move's completed, and then the other move option is visible for what the piece can now do. Each piece is very distinct and different, has its own uses. Um, it's it, If you've ever played chess, you're, you'll understand the moves very easily, mm-hmm. but they're not just like, this one can go diagonally across the board. It's like, no, it's a kind of a variations of how knights move in chess. It's a lot okay. of like, you know, L, L's or this one can attack right in front of it or on either side, or it can jump two spaces back. Um, this one can uh, go diagonally or it can jump pieces. Uh, it doesn't have to have unobstructed movement. So anyway, there's just a lot of move variations in this game and introduces some cool elements to chess, like there's ranged attacks. There's bowmen that can shoot at certain yeah, squares I, I, without I moving. I saw that. Yeah, that, that some of them, they had like the attack kind of far yeah. away from It can just shoot an arrow, and then it still has to flip over to do its alternate move, but it mm-hmm. doesn't have to move itself. And so you can create this sort of like defensive... Um, perimeter around this bowman and they're really annoying. There's knights huh. that can uh, charge and once they charge they're fatigued and so they've got to flip over and they have a slightly less active movement um, but then they can move back and there are pieces that can't move backwards like chess and they can get trapped just like pawns can get trapped at the oh, end of the board. Yeah, yeah. Some pieces can get trapped but what's really cool about it is the movement of the what I like the most about it um, of many things that I loved is the fact that the Duke is very active in play. So, you know, in chess, the king moves once. He's very boring. You r- rarely move yeah, the king, Yeah, you really if don't at all. want to, yeah. <laughs> He's pretty much just it. like, protect me. Don't let me die. I'm your leader. And that's about it. The Duke is very active in the game. The Duke's act movements are basically a rook. So he can either move up and down the board as far as he can. Okay. If he does that, then he flips, and then he can either move horizontally across the board as far as he can. So the other benefit of uh, moving the duke around is spawning new pieces where the duke is. Because the duke is going to need to be uh, in the field to make your new pieces have more options. If he's way back at the starting point, your new pieces are going to be kind of limited and probably getting blocked for what they can do. So it's this really cool element of your duke is like zooming across the board. He's a big part of like trapping the other duke or Mm -hmm. um, placing him in a certain place where a new piece comes out. And then... Like you spawn another piece there and then he can run away, but suddenly you've got a knight over in this part of the field that is uh, really useful. So, oh, okay. Oh, pardon our, our background noise. We've got <laughs> yeah. many, exciting dogs are up. <laughs> many, many puppies roaming around today. This is the dog episode. Yes. Um, yeah, I actually, it looks really, really cool. I, uh, yeah, it's really I would like fun. To, to give that a shot for sure. I it's, think it's going to be our new, like, go to. It two sort player. of reminds me of like, Grown up Onitama, in, totally. in theory, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, can I see have that, yeah. like different moves for different units and stuff like that. So. Yeah, yeah. It totally it it totally feels a lot. There's a lot of Onitama sensation to it, um, but it's more active. In I don't know. It's just funny. Like chess, I like chess a lot, but we've talked about this before. Like chess has been around so long that if you're good at chess, the first very many moves of the game are pretty much like standardized at this point. So if you you rarely can, if you're playing against someone who knows how to play, you're rarely going to do something like way out of the, out of the norm. Mm-hmm. And so this game has a lot of replayability because you never know what you're going to grab out of the bag. But also you're not, you do get like a certain amount of pieces on the board and then you're kind of sticking with them until um, either they get eliminated or you're, you're stuck or some pieces are stuck. So you're really like, you can actually lose the game if you, 
can't make a move. So it was really interesting to see the balance that sort of arose as I'm drawing pieces out. I'm, I want to get more pieces, but I also, every time I choose to grab one as opposed to moving, that gives my opponent an extra move to try to do something with right. their pieces. And so it's sort of this limiting, self-limiting system of, Ugh, I can make my army way stronger, but I'm giving you one extra chance to trap me while my Duke just sort of calls a guy and isn't paying attention to what's going on on the right. field. And it was really fun. Um, there's a bit of a learning curve in the fact that you kind of have to remember or you forget the uh, I lost a game because I forgot what Shelly's piece did or actually forgot the direction Shelly's piece did her thing. So your pieces are always oriented facing towards the opponent. Um, they never like turn and suddenly their moves are oriented left or right. It's always going one way or one way. And I had the same piece on the board, so I knew what it did, but I forgot that she was facing me. And uh, it went, so when it in flipped, your head, it, yeah, yeah. When it flipped, its move was to go backwards at a diagonal, and my Duke was right behind it at a diagonal. And I was thinking of mine, and if mine flipped, he couldn't have touched my Duke. But I was like, right. ha ha! Huh. And I moved my Duke right in that spot, and she's like, oh! And she moved her piece forward, flipped it, and then it checkmated me. Like, oh. <laughs> it was really dumb. So anyway, there's a little bit of a learning curve in knowing what the pieces do, but it is always allowed to pick up any piece and check the other side to see what it does, your opponent's or yours. And um, anyway, I just really, really huh. enjoyed it. It was so fun. It's such a dynamic version of chess. It made, made chess feel exciting, or this type of chess light game feel exciting. Nice. Cool. Well, I'm a big chess fan, so I'll be excited to yeah. try it out. All right. Uh, Should we jump into our uh, topic of the day? Well, before we do nope. that... I have a little bit of a shout out to um, Brian Hank of it's Overworld Games, but they just changed their name to Pull the Pen, Pull the Pen Games, oh. um, which has to do with their new yeah. packaging. Oh, okay. I was gonna say it's something like very, <laughs> very aggressive. Right, right. No, it's uh, it's you know revolutionary, literally. Uh, no, but. Um, they're kind. They did uh, good, good cop, bad cop, uh, back in the day, okay. uh, which was pretty well received. Um, they did the original New Salem, and uh, so I'll give you kind of a background story here. Uh, about I don't know, maybe ten months ago or so, eleven months, a year, I don't know, something like that ago. Um, I backed New Salem Second Edition on Kickstarter. It's uh, three to eight players. So I figured, okay, it's another one of those fun social deduction games that we kind of like, but uh, it seemed like there's a lot more involved, right. you know, more moving pieces and less just pure secret Hitler and more like stuff to do while having that social deduction background kind of thing. And so I was really excited for it, did a bunch of research on it and uh, saw kind of the stuff people didn't like in the first edition and they fixed a lot of that in the second. It came with the Constable expansion and I'm like, okay, I'm really excited for this. Mm -hmm. So I backed it and uh, got the notification here maybe, I don't know, a month or so ago that it was uh, in the mail via FedEx. I'm like, oh, exciting, exciting. <laughs> so uh, the day it was supposed to be delivered, FedEx is like, oh, we tried to deliver it and there's an exception. So we delivered it to some other random place. Now, they delivered it to, to a place. I don't even know how it got in their system because it's not what I put in backer kit. Right. Um, but they delivered it to an old address I haven't lived at in like three years. Right. <laughs> and uh, so I called FedEx and they're like, yeah, we don't deliver to P.O. boxes. I'm like, well, you know, you 
you do deliver you do. To, you you do you deliver it to the post office and they deliver to the PO box cuz I I get stuff from FedEx all the time. Right. I'm like no, we don't deliver to PO boxes. I'm like okay, so around and round and round and finally it just determined that they would not be able to get it to me. And they had already sent this to the other address and left it on the porch and <laughs> too bad so sad contact. Someone's got a good so got I, a really Christmas present. Yeah, so I contacted Brian and I told him what was going on. He's like, "Oh, well, let me let me check. I want to get this out to you. Let me check uh, and with my distributor and see what we can do." And he got back and he's like, "Hey, you know, I I think that if we send this out, uh, the same thing's going to happen. So uh, I can refund your money." So I'm like, oh, well, I guess. I'm a little disappointed, but yeah. I'm glad at least I can get my money back. That That's fine. I really wanted this game. And I uh, didn't think anything else about it. Mm-hmm. So a few weeks go by, and then I get a notice that um, the USPS, that Overworld Games, has sent me a package via USPS. Oh, cool. Which is not via their distributor. Right, yeah. So literally he ha- would have had to have taken the game gone to the post office and sent it right to me and um and he'd already refunded my money and so i got this fantastic game with the expansion in it and it's beautiful and i cannot say enough amazing things about brian and uh i'm he has a backer for life. I I really don't care what. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really awesome. I don't care what pull the pin games puts out in the future. I'm gonna back it, even <laughs> if it looks like it sucks. I'm still gonna back it because he has uh, definitely created a fan for life. So, Kickstarter backers take care of people because you never know if they have a podcast or if they have a bunch of friends or if yeah. they're just one of those people that is just ferociously loyal. And uh, I feel like I am ferociously brand loyal to brands that are ferociously loyal to their customers. Well, also, these these campaigns are a massive amount of work for the people who are putting these game putting the games out, the publishers, designers, and a lot of times they're the same people. And that's really awesome that he took the time to just, you know, try to make it right. I mean, he didn't have to, and he did. He technically did make it right, but it, but it seemed to weigh on him, and he sent, sent you the copy to be like... You know, I probably bothered him. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, he's out not only the cost of the game, but the game that got misdelivered and the one he sent me. So right. it, it and then whatever the shipping was for that one at the last minute. Yeah, yeah, so it definitely cost him money out of his own pocket, which uh, I, I mean, I totally respect. I know you kind of build in for stuff like that in a Kickstarter campaign, but um, that you never know what something little like that's going to trickle into. Yeah, and uh, I. I can't say enough fantastic things about him and and Overworld slash Pull the Pin Games. Yeah, that's um, awesome. I mean, part of it's probably because we're a really big deal in the gaming community, you know? Yeah, I mean, literally tens of people have heard of yep. us. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that, you know, lessens the quality, <laughs> lessens right. the uh, praise you should be getting, because, I mean, obviously, right, there's millions of followers will be. Rushing to the stores, rushing but, to the stores. Yes, <laughs> but no, that is a really cool thing, and I, I, it's nice too when you when you you get that human touch and some thoughtfulness of in large campaigns that can get just overwhelming. And I'd say most campaigns are pretty good about communication, but I don't know. Like I said, there's a lot of a lot going on, a lot that does go wrong and can go wrong in these in these campaigns, and it's really cool that he went out of his way and personally, you know, took yes. care of it. That's awesome. Yeah, definitely. So big shout out to Brian. 
Yeah, and we'll talk about, we'll probably be playing that game soon. It'll be fun yes. to, I'm really excited to get into it. We've talked about it a little bit before, and I have never played the other one, and so I'm really excited to check this one out, so. Yeah, I watched his um, How to Play video on uh, on YouTube. Uh, it's him explaining it, Brian explaining it. Nah, I'm I'm pretty excited, so. Nice. I'm bringing it to uh, to game night to m- day after tomorrow. <laughs> so tomorrow. <laughs> whatever today is. No, whatever. <laughs> so, all right. So, our list today, we have another um, top 10 each list. Yeah. Uh, this one, our top 10 list is also, we're going to start off with another quick shout out because we got uh, the idea of a friend of ours to uh, do this one. It's another top 10 list. And uh, Corey and Delora, who we interviewed. Um, for Concept his game. Concept medley game. Yeah, for his game, Capital Vices. And he gave us this idea, and it's a great idea, and uh, uh, we're really excited to get into this one. This is a fun list to make, actually. I thought it was going to be harder than it was, and it was a little hard, but it was also like kind of satisfying to be like, yeah, this game does deserve a little bit more notoriety. Yeah. The list is um, games on BoardGameGeek that have lower ratings but don't deserve them, basically underrated games. Yes, and I specifically, the reason I... Felt like we uh, a top 10 is good here, and, and Kaz is the one who pushed for the top 10, which is good. It allowed me to kind of separate this a little bit. I sort of have almost the equivalent of two top fives, because uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I did two different things. For five games, I took a look at games that were rated under a six uh, geek rating that I felt were deserving of higher, that were good games. These aren't my favorite games. These aren't the best games, but they are better than their BGG rating. Gotcha. Um, I also, in turn, did a list of five that uh, are above six, so reasonably well-rated games, but these are amongst like my shining stars. These are ones that I feel like should be substantially higher. <laughs> Then that they're all in like the mid sixes, so it's okay. not like I, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, Gloomhaven doesn't deserve <laughs> an eight and a half; it should be a nine. Uh, so I didn't Underrated. do anything. Yeah, I didn't do anything like that. But uh, there are some games in those mid sixes, toiling in the mid sixes, that I feel like are are definitely uh, don't belong that far down. Yeah. So those are kind of my two, the two ways that I did the list. Um, okay, my list is kind of a bunch. My list is broken down a little bit too. My list is um, five top twos. No, I'm just kidding. It's uh, oh, <laughs> it's uh, exciting. <laughs> Do tell. Just this one and this one. All right, next. Uh, no, my list is uh, similar. I tried to stick with, or maybe I just I happened to find the ones that spoke to me uh, within the fives. There's, I'd say most of mine are in the fives. I have two of them that are in the sixes, uh, the low low sixes. So, oh no, sorry, three. They're even the low, low sixes, but these are games, once again, that I just felt I was just really surprised they were in the fives. I'm not saying they deserve to be in the eights or nines, but I'd say they should at least be in the six or seven range for me, high six or seven range for me for my plays and uh, enjoyment with them. They're, most of them are smaller games, and I think a lot of smaller games get... Um, it's harder for smaller games sometimes, I think, to get into a higher rating that because they fit a niche like they're usually quick and they're interesting but it's not like you're going to play them all night and so i think they can get lost in the shuffle a bit so i kind of wonder if that's what happened with some of these but anyway i'm excited to get into this because i think yes all of these deserve to be and uh, played before we get too far into it i want to kind of define uh the research that i did on what bgg rating is yeah 
So there are two ratings. There's the average rating and there's the BGG rating. Right. Uh, the average rating is based on, um, it, it, you get an average rating once you hit 30 or more ratings by users on BoardGameGeek. So this could, uh, this could be friends of the publishers. This could be enemies of the publishers. This could be <laughs> anyone. But uh, they don't record an average until you hit 30 reviews. Because, okay. you know, why put up, uh, this game has two 10-star reviews. Now it has... Not really. Yeah, yeah. Now, now it's a ten star game. Average <laughs> right, rating. Yeah. No. Um, so those tend to be substantially higher. Uh, mm-hmm. What BGG rank or BGG rating is is uh, at least from all the research, it's sort of a secret al- algorithm. Yeah. But from the math that's been broken down and everything that I've been able to research, it is it appears to be roughly a hundred or so. Uh, we'll call them fake reviews. Uh, that lean towards the mean of 5.5. Right. So what it's trying to do is take games Just that average it up, kind have of. a whole bunch of friends, you know, giving it 10 star ratings and getting it closer to the mean. It also can lift some games that are, um, you know, somebody, an enemy of the publisher, you know, decides yeah. that game sucks and he <laughs> has a bunch of his followers give him one star reviews. Uh, it kind of helps keep it balanced. Yeah. So typically... The, the whole point is uh, for the BGG rank is to sort of temper good and bad to get it towards the mean. Yeah, okay. Um, so you'll see games like Gloomhaven that have like 29,000 reviews. Right, right, right. Um, and most of them are like eights or nines or tens, which is why it's like an eight and a half BGG yeah. rank because those, those 100 fake reviews don't do much of anything to bring it back down yeah but then you'll see games that may have 200 bgg uh reviews yeah uh 200 ratings and like the two BGG, numbers down from yeah what and the bgg rating will really yeah. pull it down yeah uh, or really pull it up i mean it could do either yeah but <laughs> that's true actually that's true it could work at the inverse <laughs> yeah so um it does you know it's funny because i'd say like like, what do you usually look for? With, like, when you're looking, do you, when you buy a game, do you ever wait, put more weight on one or the other? Because I, I like the fact that they do have two. I don't think BGG, because it's an average, always hits it on the mark. But I would say I think it's valuable because it helps to offset the hype of a lot of games. It does help uh, offset the hype a lot. Um, my personally, and I'm, I'm just going to sound like the least geekiest geek, I, <laughs> I don't look at either one when I'm buying a game. Yeah, uh, I will look at it on YouTube. Kind of look at playthroughs. I'll read um, some of the reviews actually on BGG. Okay, and sort of get a feel if it's a game I would like. Yeah, because with games, especially with games that there's, I I don't feel like there's any such thing anymore as like that's a great game for everybody. Right. You yeah. Know, there are great games that just don't fall you just don't happen to like worker placement games and that's my favorite kind of game yeah yeah you know i don't tend to pay attention to either but i do appreciate that that both are there because you can get a good idea of uh which ones have like a really devout following which ones seem to be more mainstream um that sort of thing so. yeah i guess i think i feel like i do the similar thing too where i'll, I'll check I do a lot of research before I buy a game, but I will check the rating if it's if I feel strongly one way or the other. If I play a game, I'm like, I don't, I really don't like this, and I'm surprised that I don't like this. And then I'll look it up and see 
if other people are, there's a consensus there if other people are feeling the same way or if i really do like a game i'm kind of curious how high it's been rated and especially in this situation too where it's like i really like this game and then you go check and you're like man i'm surprised it doesn't have the notoriety that it i think it should at least so right all right well that leads right into what we're about to talk about so okay. let's just jump right i think i've right let in. off the last like three lists okay so, <laughs> so fire uh, away all right so my um my first one is kind of <laughs> i don't want to call it a throwaway game but it, it's just a silly game it's been around since the 70s i don't know why <laughs> i like this game i could understand why people don't like it but i always think it's just silly and stupid and fun and that's just past the pigs <laughs> huh. I, I put Pass the Pigs on because every time I play this game, I've had fun. I don't play it for hours. I don't play it for repeated playthroughs very much, but I just enjoy it. I think it's a well-designed, silly, stupid game. Uh, and what makes it for agree. me, <laughs> what makes it for me, is the fact that they actually put little pigs in it versus dice. The game yes. is the premise of the game is that you um, take these two little pig items, and they look like these those little farm animals that you get at the dollar store, or mm-hmm. you see them all over, like the zoo sells like little uh, plastic creatures. Anyway, they're these two little pigs, um, except they're 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 not hard plastic. They're like a slightly soft rubber or something like that. Um, and anyway, you roll them on the table, and it's a bit of a press your luck game. But also tied with that is you get points on how the pigs land. So if they land right. on their feet, that's a certain amount of points. If they land on their side, that's a certain amount of points. If they land on their back, it's a certain amount of points. If they land face down with their snout touching the table, it's a certain amount of points. If they land touching each other, it's a certain amount of points. So obviously that's a lot of luck on how they land. But one of the things I really respect about this game is however they made the pigs, they're really well balanced that they do land in a variety of positions. Right. They don't always just land on their side. <laughs> like so I give credit to this game and the designers for actually doing that and paying attention. They could have just got those cheap plastic plastic hard game or hard plastic pigs and been like it's a game for kids, kids are dumb, who cares. And then they right. and then you're just constantly throwing them. Or they could have done dice where yeah, each or dice, die yeah. face has them in a different position, which should have been I think how would be done nowadays yeah yeah but. and i would have not liked this game at all if it was dice but there's just something about the fact that these pigs can let fall in a variety of positions and i feel like they are balanced well that way to feel like they uh they do so i like this game i i like playing it um with a group of people especially kids of course but i play this game a lot of times with adults and it's just a fun game it's also a fun game to drink around <laughs> oh i imagine <laughs> it almost becomes its own drinking game so I think Pass the Pigs is a little underrated, or maybe it's appropriately rated. I just feel like it's worth playing for sure. So don't let the rating fool you. If you have an opportunity and pick it up in the bargain bin, I think it's a fun uh, uh, part or a fun uh, aspect of your collection. So I would definitely, I definitely pick it up. It's okay. a silly little game. Well, my uh, my first on my list is uh, a Phil Walker Harding game. Oh. <laughs> Uh, one of his his uh, earliest designs that I can that, that I own for sure uh, by far is earliest. It's a fairly small game. It's called Pack of Heroes. Okay, and it's basically uh, you can take it's a one on one game. Play it on like a three by three grid yeah. of cards, and so you have your pack of cards. Uh, there's like I don't know. Um, I don't know, maybe eight or 10 different teams and you take your team and all the cards that come in it and then you use them, bring them out and you 
play and have health on the different cards and they have different superpowers actions that you can take and uh it's just it's kind of managing your heroes and managing how they move and where they're positioned and on this grid and uh it's it's surprisingly well thought out and fun and uh joey and i have played it uh quite a few times in the past before I even realized it was a Phil Walker Harding game. Um, and it's only rated a 5.668 on, uh, on BGG. Huh. So, um, even Tom Vassell really liked it. Oh, cool. And, yeah. Well, and, of course it's Phil Walker Harding. Right. So. Of course. So, uh, that's pack of heroes. It's a fun little one-on-one superhero versus superhero oh, team cool. game. Um, I, I think the concept, like the, the theme behind it is like you're all heroes in this city and you're fighting each other for the right to fight bad guys. Cause like there's so many super <laughs> teams, funny. but no super villains. Oh, so you're funny. like fighting each other <laughs> to be the best super team to protect best the city. Yeah. So, that's uh, cool. but it's, uh, it's, it's fun. The artwork's really fun and silly and, uh, I like it a lot. Nice. Um, all right. My next one is a, uh, this is once again, a kind of, a. I hesitated to put this on the list because it's been around for so long and there's a lot of people that like this game. But I was surprised that it was rated so low. Part of the fact that it's rated so low is that it's it's uh, not a, there's not a lot of people who actually voted on that. But I think that this, at least for me, is the best or in the top three best party games ever designed. And that is Catchphrase. Um, hmm. So this is kind of quick. On uh, You've probably played Catchphrase at some point maybe in your life. It's been around since the 1970s. I just think Catchphrase is a very simple but very well-designed game that I have never had a bad playthrough of. I think it always is a fun game to bring out, especially now with the modern version where you can have the little clicker within the game that you pass around, the disc that you pass around that is electronic. Um, I just think this is a really, really, really well-designed party game. I think it does what it's supposed to do extremely well in that it gets everyone involved. It's ridiculously uh, fast pa- or it's fast-paced, and it's unintentionally funny all the time. Like I always end up laughing a lot when we play this game just about the how some people are terrible at giving clues or just the fact that the race to throw the, the catchphrase disc at someone as the timer is rapidly ticking up and catching someone unawares or anyway, just just... It's always hilarious in different ways when I play this game. So I just really enjoy Cat's Phrase, and I was surprised it was rated as low as it was. And it's rated at 5.3. I just had it, and I lost that it. That sounds right terrible. Before. Yeah. I think your game sucks. 5.56. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. So anyway, I just thought it would be rated higher. And I get I get why it's not. It's, it's been around for a long time, and it's also it's a very simple structure. So it's not a lot of game here, but it doesn't need to be. It's a, social, or it's a party game. So... Party games are probably going to get rated lower on average than most other strategic games, but I just think this one does what it does really well. And if you haven't played it, yeah, it's definitely worth playing, and it's easy to get. Okay. Um, my next one is uh, it's a game called City Hall. came out in 2014 by Tasty Minstrel Games, and uh, it's rated low mostly because it's horrifically ugly. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very like, ugly. Yeah, it's like the ethnos of uh, like city building sort yeah. of games. It's not really city builder. It's uh, you're all competing to become the mayor of New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's got uh, like auction bidding stuff, uh, but mostly like in a worker placement type of environment, which is sounds kind of weird. Yeah, but like you place your worker somewhere, 
in one of the offices and somebody can like basically buy the spot from you right kind of thing and uh so you sometimes take a spot that you don't really want, but you want the money and then you really want another spot, but you know, somebody else may want the spot you want. (laughs) So there's a lot of that sort of back and forth and, um, things like that. And it's, uh, it's really, really fun. It's, I, it's a great game. It's just, it's so ugly and so bland looking that you just, nobody will play it. Right, yeah, it is very bland. It looks so, even that like it has that sort of a uh, what's that architecture from like the sixties? Um, Art De- is it Art Deco that has all the like straight yeah, lines and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. it very much. It's like they started to do that and then they kind of gave up and then used a horrible color palette. <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's all one weird yeah. color palette that all just like shades of green institutional and gray. Yeah, gray. yeah, yeah. it's uh, which is appropriate to theme, but just not really fun to engage with. Exactly. So if if you can get people like if you have no a bunch of Euro game players that don't care what stuff looks like. Uh, oh, they love this. Euro this game is, players. Yeah, this and this is a dour uh, Euro game players. Yes, this is a great <laughs> one for that. But. Uh, True. I've tried to bring this to game night a few times and tried to get people into it, and it's just uh, no. But it's a it's a really good game. Like so, that's I, I feel like it is it is really underrated at uh, five point seven oh four. So it's nudging close to six, but yeah. it's uh, and it's sold pretty well. Given you know, tasty minstrel games, they tend to to sell really well. Yeah, and they do. They really great games. But, uh, this would be. A seven, if uh, if if it looked good. Huh, interesting. So, yeah, art can make it. That's for sure. Yep. Um, all right, my next one is a little card game um, that uh, I think we've talked about this one a long time ago. Uh, this is Romans Go Home. Uh, Romans Go Home is a great little game. That is, the premise of the game is that you are barbarian. You're at your barbarian horde, and you are trying to repel the Romans from taking over your country, territory, what have you. And so you're taking over these Roman towers that they've set up um, and trying to uh, get them to go home. Uh, it's it's a bidding game, I guess you could call it, where you're, you are laying down, uh, your, each of your cards has a value, and you're laying them down under this row of towers, one card per tower, each player's laying one card per tower, and then you're each trying to be the one that conquers that tower and gets that card. Some of the towers have negative points, some of them have powers they let you do but most of them are points that you want to earn for the end of the game but it has a cool structure where if you uh you go from left to right as you go down and see who wins that tower um your cards have powers but the cool structure is if you don't win that tower with your card your card stays in the game and now the value of your card is applied to the next tower so it creates this cool stringing effect that you can do if you're playing your cards right uh, and guessing what other people are doing, you can purposefully lose a tower to boost your power for the next tower. Right. And so I liked that structure. I thought it was very clever, and uh, I really enjoyed playing this game. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad I own it or have it. And it's it's been a fun game to bring out every once in a while because I've I've not experienced one exactly like it. There's similar games, but right. I think Romans go goes Romans go home does what it does pretty well. Yeah, I I gave you this game. You did, I, yeah. I had two copies of it. Uh, I have no idea why. Uh, I'm looking at the other copy on my shelf right yeah. now. Uh, this almost made it to my list. Uh, it really, really did. Yeah, but. Um, I don't know why it didn't. Being honest, <laughs> it's five point so. six. It's I think it's 
it's it's not that far off its rating. I, I think it's probably better than that for sure. I think it's at least in the sixes for the design. It's well designed. Um, so yeah, I just think it's a little underrated for what what it should be. Okay, I agree. I agree. That's a good game. Um, so my next one is also rated a five point six, but five point six zero five. Oh, um, it's called Skyliners, and uh, this is it, it's a good game. It's not obviously one of my favorite games or anything like that but i feel like it definitely deserves better than that especially for what it tries to do um this came out i don't know 2015 Mm -hmm. and basically everyone's building uh these buildings kind of has like almost like lego like buildings that can sort of lock into each other and build up these tall skyscrapers okay um but the cool thing is, is that each player has, it uses the box in order to, uh, to facilitate. So uh, the plastic insert in the box uh, is what you build the stuff on. So it has, uh, for each player, they're on a different side of the box. And it goes by line of sight. Okay. So from the skyline, uh, you're trying to build things to match these cards, these point cards, based on what you can see. Can you see from your line of sight from ground level, can you see three buildings? Oh, interesting. So you could like block out, build up one to block out other buildings if you only want to see one building. (laughs) Right. Um, But the other person on the other side, that would give them an extra building. Oh, okay. Oh, interesting. That they can see because it's all based on your line of sight only from your perspective, which side of the box you're on. Huh. And so you've got all these people building all these things, trying to build sort of their own line of sight uh, from different directions. And I've never seen anything come close to yeah, doing what very this does. It's really, really cool. The components are phenomenal. Uh, they're just fun to play with. Um, and it's just really, really well. Uh, the components are very well designed. Uh, it's really pretty. It's really inventive. I don't know if it's all that engaging per se, right. but I think it's certainly more engaging than a 5.6. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I I like it. I'm gonna, I've been meaning actually to bring it to, to game night. It's a fairly short game. It's only about 30 minutes or so um, and easy to teach. And so yeah, uh, that's, that uh, cool. that's Skyliners. Skyliners. Oops, I just exited my list. There we go. Um, all right, let's see. I my next one, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, my next one is a game. I think this is the game that was that I first played that got me back into games seriously. Several many several years ago. Um, you think Catan is overrated? <laughs> Catan <is> way <laughs> underrated. You know, you guys probably haven't heard of it. I discovered it. Uh, no, Catan was a was a a very quick follow-up to this game when I wanted something more meatier. But this game is Flux, and one of the versions of Flux. Um, I had played games for a long time, and I really kind of got out of them. Um, And uh, my friend had, I think this was just the, it was the base version of Flux or Pirate Flux. I can't remember which one it was. But Pirate Flux was definitely the one that I picked up first and uh, played a lot, and then uh, soon after, Star Flux. So Flux is a game of... Uh, fluctuating, uh, it's chaos. It's pure chaos, and a lot yes. of people get com- uh, complain about this game because of the fact of the chaos and the f- and the idea that there's there's a lot of luck involved with Flux. But it was a great entry point for me because 
there is luck, yes, but there's also a lot of agency for you as the player to change how the luck is flowing and sort of direct it in certain ways. Um, the game, the game of flux starts with, uh, you get, uh, it's been a while since I played, I think it's two or three cards in your hand. I think it's two. And the only rule is on your turn, you draw a card from the pile and you have to play a card in your hand. That's it. Those are the only rules. And at the beginning of the game, there's no way to win the game. The way you win the game is you collect items called keepers, and then you play a goal that has, that represents the keepers that you have. It's usually two keepers. So let's say you have in the basic game, a cookie and a flower. And the goal you have is, is if you have the cookie and the flower, you win. So if you can find that goal and play it, you win the game. So you're just collecting things over the course of the game, and in some versions you're stealing things from other players. Uh, but you can also change the rules of this game. So instead of uh, draw one, play one, you can say, well, I'm going to play the new rule, draw three, play one. So now you're going to suddenly get a lot more cards in your hands and raise your odds. But so is everyone else. Everyone else's odds are going to raise as well. So you're kind of augmenting the rules of the game to your favor if you can, and it's just sort of a race to who can get to the cards first, who can get the sets that they needed first and the goal to make those sets win. Um, I just think it's a, it's a unique design. It's fun. It's silly. It plays quickly, and it's a great game to like um, have in your car or your pocket to just whip out every once in a while. The other thing that's awesome about it is there are so many versions of this game. There are. Whatever your interest them, yeah. is, <laughs> you can find one of uh, Flux that covers it. And it's not just intellectual property games. They have like Flux Math. They have Flux Biology. It's like the Munchkin of card games. <laughs> but better. I would much rather, prefer this than Munchkin <laughs> for sure. I'd rather play this. Um, they have, uh, but then they have a lot of intellectual properties. There's Monty Python. There is uh, Doctor Who. There is Cthulhu. There is um, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Or no, there's a Firefly. Sorry, probably is coming out. Guardians of the Galaxy, but oh, probably. But anyway, there's a lot of versions of this game, and each version I think does a really good job. I haven't played them all by far, but I've played several, and I think they do a good job of incorporating that theme. My favorite is Starflux. I think a lot of I think Starflux is the highest reviewed one, and that's just a broad science fiction version of the game. But it does a lot of, it adds a lot of actions into that game that are very sci-fi related, and it and the writing of Flux is very very well done. It just has these great humorous references to sci-fi tropes, mm-hmm. and like there's a redshirt guy who you just sacrifice constantly to do stuff, and like he always just dies right away. Like he's just and even his picture is drawn looking. He kind of knows that he's about to die. He's sort of scared, <laughs> and I just love the fact that they really seem to understand the theme that they are redesigning the structure for. Um, and uh, it's fun to engage with that for a short period of time. So okay. I like Flux a lot. I think it's worth trying. And um, even the base game is a pretty good, pretty good game. The other thing about it, too, is if you're someone who games a lot with kids, they have a family version. Flux is so simple, I don't think you need it. But if you want to try a simplified version, they have a family version and a Spanish language version that I used oh. to use when I was doing um, English language training and Spanish language training workshops, which worked really well. Nice. So. Um, a lot of variety in Flux. I just think it's a great game, and uh, I think it's worth worth trying. Okay, I could, I've, I've played Flux a few times. I never really got into it because of the randomness. And, yeah, and uh, but it, I'd, I'd say yeah, give it a try if it's your your it's thing. It's just for silly. Sure. I think you can. A come lot in of people really like it. Too so. serious to it, and yeah. you have to have you have to be in the right mood for it because it does it is random. Um, but uh, that's another one that's in the fives, and I was kind of surprised it didn't break the sixes. Uh, I don't think it's more than a six, but I think it's it's well enough designed that everyone should should try a round of flux, if not uh, own it. <laughs> okay. All right. What do you got? Um, my next one is one we've talked about here on the show. Uh, it doesn't have a whole lot of ratings, uh, but even the ones it does have, the regular ratings aren't super great. Um, and I don't know why. 
And this is uh, by AEG, and it's Atelier the Painter Studio. Oh, yeah, yeah. It uh, It is a 5.577 BGG rating, which I think is criminally low. This isn't the best game ever made That's by really any surprising. stretch, but it's it's really fun. Like I, I like this game a lot. I've played it... Uh, seven or eight times, and I played it with you. Yeah, I've never won I'm borrowing it. it at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I've never won it, but I'm okay with it because it's just I. I think it does so many cool things so well uh, that I just uh, I don't know. It's it's got cool dice rolling and dice placement and set collection and this area control thing that it does, and it just yeah. it kind of blends everything so well. Uh, I really thought it would like check off a lot more boxes for people than it seems to have. It doesn't seem very well received, which I, I think is super unfortunate. Um, yeah, we've, we, I, yeah, I'm not going to get into like the details of it cause we've, we've reviewed it before, but, um, but yeah, I just thought, uh, I was looking through and I'm like, Whoa, that's really low. And I went looking and yeah, even the people who like regular people who rated it, the, the average rating is only a 6.8, which a lot of these that you see, are like, you know, eight and a half, nine, yeah. especially when they only, because this one only has 99 ratings. Yeah. Which uh, is surprisingly oh, sure. okay. low, especially too for an AEG. So a lot of these, I'm looking, there's, you know, 16 five star reviews and a couple of fours and a whole bunch of sixes. So, I mean, I, I just don't, yeah, I think it's uh, huh. less. What about the. Complaints are with the fours. I'm curious. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, I figured it was worth tossing out there that uh, if you see this on Board Game Geek and you're like, oh, well, that's not very highly rated, <laughs> give it a shot. It's a, it's a good game and it's not expensive or anything. So yeah, yeah, that's too bad. I re- I really enjoy that game. I think it's a great it's a great intro game. It's also just a great like uh, yeah the the vibe of that game feels really great. <laughs> great is the word of the moment. Great, <laughs> great. Um, all right, my next game is also great, and I play this one quite a lot, actually, and that is uh, Titan Race. So uh, Titan Race, I understand why Titan Race is lower than it than I think it should be, but Titan Race as a game is basically uh, Mario Kart, kind of, the feel of it. So you rip, you take ownership of the one of these Titans, which are an amalgamation of a lot of different mythological creatures. Each one is sort of a mashup of a few different things. There's like a Yeti. There's a Cthulhu in the game, but in that game it's Chitulu. So it's a lot of tongue-in-cheek written humor. It's just silly. Um, and you're racing through these boards. Each, each Titan has um, their own world that you can race through, and they're each different. They each have different powers or uh, uh, hazards that you can encounter and have to avoid. Um, And within the game also you have these uh, abilities. One is an intrinsic ability that you have right away. Like uh, Chitulu has the drain life ability where she can, uh, he or she can, it looks like a she in this game, she can uh, attack a player and then basically absorb one of their life points into her. She's very overpowered actually, (laughs) I think in this game, but she's fun to play. So you can uh, do this intrinsic ability, but also if you land on these certain pieces on uh, on the board, you can draw another action card. And the action cards give you uh, a shield to prevent damage to you. They can ha- shoot, let you just shoot things at other players, projectiles, or affect the game in some way. So it's kind of Mario Kart-ish in where you're trying to, uh, through the course of the game, run through the question marks, basically, to get powers to uh, help augment your abilities. Um, 
I think that is really fun part of the game. It comes with minis that are really are well designed. I, I love the uh, the design of the game. the The game is the movements are determined through dice rolls, and you always have options. You roll more dice than there are players, uh, or you have options within the dice that for the amount of players that there are. And so, where I think it falls off the the review rating cliff, as it were, a bit for people is the way the boards are done. So. Within this game, you you choose a series of three boards. They're like 12 by 12 square pieces of cardboard printed, double-sided. Each side has a different racing um, run. And so you can do one three times. You do three laps in a race. Or you can play three boards in front of each other and do run across those three boards. And it's a little janky it's more fun to run across the three because then you're transitioning from one world and its hazards to another world and its hazards and a third world and its hazards then so it's fun because you have to change your strategy for each world but there's things in the game that are not they don't fire off when you do it that way it's kind of designed to do one board three times like you can drop traps behind you or around you um so the next time you go through that world it's more hazards to avoid if you're running through three straight boards it doesn't matter the traps you drop you're never going to go back through the boards again so you're not going to encounter them so it doesn't really matter okay so um i feel like that i don't know how you would change that design except maybe just determine that it's three boards and maybe just change the way traps are dropped or you can affect the the game but i i just like playing this game i think it's outside of that it's really well designed that could be improved, but even with that, I still think it's a really fun game to to try and incorporate. It's brutal. You're constantly destroying each other. You you don't get killed in this game, but you can get knocked out, literally uh, unconscious, and then you just skip your turn. But th- even with that, I rarely have the issue of a runaway leader happening. You can miss a turn, but then uh, through power-ups and abilities, um, catch up pretty easily, or someone else is now the target of getting knocked out, so you're, you get a break. You can also <laughs> get pushed inadvertently. Your unconscious body get pushed forward because whenever a titan runs into you, they bump you to the next forward space. They're oh. just they're just brutally knocking each other out. So we've had games. We had I had one game end where someone was unconscious, but someone pushed them through the finish line because they didn't have any other move to do. So they shoved their unconscious body over the finish line. So they technically won the game. And then the next person came in first and we had to look up how that played out in the rules and it's not listed. So um, anyway, it's just this fun, fun sort of a very interactive racing game. That's silly and, and brutal. And uh, it's a good time. I, I like Titan race a lot. Okay. Well, um, I'm going to, most of the rest of these I've mentioned before, so I'm going to kind of race through, yeah. uh, I think, a little bit. Um, so then my next one is My Happy Farm, which is 5.801. Uh, I It's been out for a long time. I think it's been out for, uh, since like 2011. Um, I It's rated pretty low. I think it's, uh, I think it's really fun. It should be called My, my First Euro Game. Uh, the art is really really cool it's this fun fattening your animals kind of game uh it's quick it's uh fairly easy to explain um i i really enjoy it and that's my happy farm all right um my next one is uh let's see which one i haven't done here 
uh, this is a game that we played once. I don't think you like this game a lot, but I, I was, I was so so on it. But then I later on, I just kept thinking about it, and the more I thought about, it, the more I wanted to play it again and again. And that is why first. That's the game where you have to come oh, in that not game's first. Terrible. <laughs> I really liked it. It's such an interesting concept. It's an interesting concept, but I hate it. I thought it was really fun. I think I understand why people are frustrated by it. So the premise of the game is it's not a racing game and you play down value cards to advance yourself the certain amount of number of the cards. Um, but you're not trying to get first. You are trying to become second or <laughs> you are like you don't want to be first. Yes. So you it, which it's this really funny concept of it's it's when you think about it, it's it's easy to aim for first. You just do as well as you can. And if it works, you win. But second is really hard to do. It's really hard to accomplish. Especially when everyone wants to be Exactly. Second. And yeah. so you are trying to benefit your other players to get them to be first, and you are trying to be just good enough to not get there. So and you I, don't want to be third or fourth. Yeah, you don't want to be anything but second. Yeah. And so anyway, it was just a really unique feeling to a racing game and it can be frustrating because it's very hard to accomplish that but it's also funny towards the end of the game as everyone is sort of like dancing like they full speed up until almost the finish line and they're all just kind of like hopping on one foot or another and no one wants to be the next one until <laughs> someone shoves someone over the line right and i just thought it was silly and a funny clever idea and um uh yeah i i thought this game uh, deserves to be rated better than it is because uh, i've never played anything quite like it and i thought it was fun for for the times I did play it. Yeah, I did not think it was fun at all. Okay. <laughs> so spot on. So five points yes. out of five nights. It's not terribly it. low, but yeah. So um, my next five, that was, that was the five that I think were uh, better than their ratings, but not necessarily my favorite games. Okay. These are amongst my probably top Faves. 25 favorite games that right. I think are criminally underrated. Um, and the, uh, the first one is a game called clockwork wars. And it's rated 6.094. And it is a lot of area control and a little bit of civilization building, but more um, more area control than anything else. Uh, it's kind of hard to describe. It's sort of a pure Euro-type game. You, uh, Everyone's asymmetric, so they have these asymmetric civilization powers that they start with. And um, it's just... It's it's a really cool game. It has really really neat components. It's very well produced. Um, the gameplay works great, and it just uh, doesn't get a lot of love or attention. Uh, but I would put this definitely in my top twenty-five. So and that's Clockwork Wars. Cool. Yeah, I've heard of that game. I've never played it. Um, all right, another one for me is a game called uh, Deja Vu. So Deja Vu is a game that. <laughs> will make you sort of feel like you're losing your mind a bit, which is, sounds horrible, but it's actually, it's very fun. Uh, it's something that I'm terrible at, which is memory and short-term memory. <laughs> but Same. it's really fascinating to see how the game plays out, where it sort of plays on that um, hang-up or the way the human brain processes memory is really fascinating. This game sort of hones in on that. So the way the game works is there's a lot of these little um, cardboard cutout of pieces. There's just random things like flowers, a violin, uh, a construction cone. There's a lot of them. Um, but the pieces, there's a pair of shoes. But the pieces are similar. In, there's some pieces that are similar. There's usually three to four pieces that are similar in color or shape. Uh, so let's say there's a four-leaf clover just by itself. And then there's a shirt with a four-leaf clover emblem on it. And then there's a green, um, I don't know, something else, but the same color as a four-leaf clover. So there's these pieces have similarities in color and shape in some form. 
and you have a deck of cards and on the deck of cards is one, two, I think maybe three of these pieces represented on that card. And you go through the deck and you flip one card over and then everyone looks at it and they flip another card over and everyone looks at it. So the second time you see one of these pieces referenced on a cards card, you have to be the first person to grab it. So let's say you see uh, a four leaf clover go by once and then a few down the line, you see another four leaf clover go by once, then you quickly have to find it in the pieces on the table, grab it and then take it. And that is your, you score that one. Um, you lose points if you grab a piece that isn't, hasn't gone through uh, already once, or if uh, at the end of the game, you can gra- I think uh, you grab pieces that are left over that you're pretty sure did go through twice, but no one was so sure that they grabbed them. So they're still on the table and you ha- you're like, oh, I'm pretty sure I saw the violin. And then you grab it just to try to make up points. This game is hilarious in the fact that as it goes over three rounds, as the rounds progress, you get worse and worse at the game and people get less right. and less confident. Because you get confused on what you saw yeah. in previous rounds. Which round did I see the clover in? Was it last round? It had to be last round. No, it's got to be. Anyway, so it's just fun. Your you, your brain sort of feels like it is floundering, trying to figure math, quickly process all this information. Um, but it's over quickly, and it's it's a fast game, and it's just uh, funny. I love the way it feels to play this game. It just feels very unique. And uh, I think it's really well designed for uh, what it is, which is just, um, yeah, just a silly game to... <laughs> to throw out in between other games and that is deja vu fair enough i am terrible at those kind of games <laughs> i am really bad too but i enjoy playing that one <laughs> all right so my next one is uh a game called grifters and it's by indie boards and cards and uh which i think changed their name but i'm not sure uh so it's rated a 6.123 on bgg and uh, I absolutely love this game. It's uh, it takes place in the dystopian universe, which is the same one as like Coup and maybe the Resistance. Yeah. And uh, it's you're just basically like you're an evil overlord gang, and you're just trying to collect credits. And you have a hideout, and uh, you're trying to also pull out heists. And it's a car. It's a hand management game where every card you play in your uh, in your hideout gives you a special power, and then it moves it to the next night. So then you can't use those cards again until it goes through all three nights and then back in, recycles back into your hand. It's a really interesting deck-building mechanic uh, of, of how, how it transitions into your hand. And uh, when you play like a big team, it takes forever for all those cards to get back in. You got to wait three, three or four rounds or whatever to get it back into your hand. So you really have to make good decisions on whether or not it's worth it to get pull off this heist with this big team because then your hand's going to be pretty bare and you're not going to be able to do a whole lot in between. Uh, and then there's a set collection with the heists, and it's just it all comes together, plays really, really well. The games are always close. Um, this game's never fallen flat with anybody, and that's Grifters. That was going to be mine next one as well, so I'll just second that. Uh, yeah, I played, you introduced this game to me, and I really thought it was very fun as well. I thought it t- captured its theme great. I love the phase of the night, yeah. and then re, kind of recalibrating for the next heist, and then the collection. Uh, what's the the art one that you can go after? And like, there's like, um, isn't there certain tiers of like heist yeah. specialization you can yeah, do? Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
and I love the art one. There's like, cause some are better than others, but some Definitely. are more fun to do than others. And yes. so, <laughs> so, and just the idea of this, this troop of thieves getting together and really like rushing this small art studio made me laugh. <laughs> this guy like, what's happening right now? Why are they? There's so um, many of them. <laughs> yeah, they keep robbing me. So it, yeah, Grifters is really fun. Definitely underrated at 6.1, uh, I think is what it is. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's very underrated there. So yeah, I'll just throw another one out. Um, my personal on that is a nine. I have that rated <laughs> as a nine. Uh, my next one is um, a game called uh, Illusion. Illusion is an abstract game where you are, uh, there's all these like <clears throat> cards and they are, there's I think three, it's the primary colors that are on the cards. And then you draw one card out and that's your starting card. And it's some sort of abstract design incorporating several different colors. And then you draw a card to say, what is your active color for this round? Uh, let's say it's blue. So the next card you draw, you take out, and it has a certain amount of blue as well as other colors on it, and you have to compare it to the card that is active and say, is it more blue on this card, and you put it to the right, or is it less blue than this card, and you put it to the left? And it's very hard because we've all seen those like trick of the eye things where if you do think you arrange things in a certain shape or a certain pattern, it looks like it is bigger or smaller than it actually is. Right. So it's that in a game with a lot of variety and patterns. And then you then your opponent gets to say, I think you're right. So I'm going to let that be or I'm going to call it call you on it. And if they call you on it. Uh, you flip both cards, and the cards will tell you the percentages the percentage, of the colors yeah, on the I've back. I've seen this. Yeah. It's really fun to play, and it's actually, I just, it's another one that sort of challenges your brain in a unique way uh, consistently. Um, I, I really enjoyed this one. I think it's a great one to have in your pocket as well to just break out because you'll you'll get some runs where you're like, I am positive these are as they are, and they, they can be within like a percentage of each other, so it's really close. Um, and you get these runs, and then you're and then it comes back he does one and he comes back to you and then you get one that's so close to the other one you're just like i i'm just guessing here so hopefully you don't call me on this but right. uh, but it's just a really fun challenge and i enjoyed the structure of the game and uh i thought i thought it could be a little higher on the list i don't think it's it's at 6.2 i don't think that's too far off but i as a game but i think it could be a little should be a little higher than that being colorblind, I've sort of avoided this one. I, I'm sure I could <laughs> do it, given that I can see like yellow and blue. So I think yeah. red would be the only issue. But I don't know how colorblindness affects like my ability to gauge volume either. Yeah. So I, I don't know like how if if brighter colors would yeah. seem like the It'd yellow be interesting versus to the gray would free be free to try it and see how it affects. Because I mean, yeah. there's only four colors, and so as long as you can differentiate them, but that's the that's the issue is if you can differentiate them right. correctly, yeah. All right. So my next one is uh, Holmes, Sherlock, and Mycroft, which is on my recommendation for best two-player games. It's rated a 6.265, which I think should be substantially higher than that because this game is awesome. And uh, I I would have that at about a 9 as well. <laughs> and I, I won't get into gameplay on that, It's uh, except for that it's a two-player uh, worker placement game that new spots come out uh, in the form of witnesses uh, every day until the end of the game and uh, really fun really fairly quick uh, very satisfying two-player game and that's Holmes Sherlock and Mycroft all right uh, my last one is Labyrinth and this is another game that's been around a long time it's uh it's a German game or started in Germany I believe Ravensburger published it a long time ago i should look that up but i'm not going to because 
This is my last one. I just wanted to talk about it. Okay. Uh, Labyrinth is marketed as a kid's game, but it is deceptively hard. <laughs> it is really, it is a game of shifting paths, as you would expect, and you are trying to collect items um, as a wizard in the most current game. You're a little wizard piece, and you're trying to run around and collect items um, uh, that you have in a deck of cards that you are uh, you can see on the board. Um, and so it that's simple enough, but the fact that you always have to map out your route as the labyrinth changes there's one extra piece in the game and you sort of slide that uh, on the board and adjust a full row vertically or horizontally in the board which changes a drastic amount of the board uh, you might have a clear path it's a little convoluted but you have a clear path to where you want to go but suddenly you don't so you have to now move the board yourself to anticipate making a clear path some way and slowly inching your way down uh, the board to get to where you want to go. There's a lot of things to pick up, so it's not it's limited by that. I think there, if there was only like one or two things you had to find, it'd be a lot harder. Um, but uh, Labyrinth is just a really great sort of brain three-dimensional puzzle of um, uh, what would you call that? Like uh, path. It's like pathfinding. And right. and so it, it's just unique. I can see why it's been around for a long time, but I would just, one caveat I would say is this, this is a hard game for kids. I can't imagine kids having pathfinding skills that advanced to understand how to adjust strategy that drastically. I think this is more for adults, um, but you can definitely play with kids. I just think it's, I think it's harder than it seems, but I like the game and I think the structure is very interesting and a good challenge to, uh, to engage with. Um, you can play it a few different ways too. I've seen people house rule this to play a few different ways. Um, and uh, I've tried a, f- a couple. And I think they're all really fun. So anyway, Labyrinth is mine. It's at six point two. I think that's pretty close, but it could be. I think it's probably closer to seven for for what it is. But uh, but yeah, that's Labyrinth. Okay, I've never played it. Um, so I'm gonna go and just bust out my last two here. Um, and one is Capital Lux, which is uh, six point three four one. Mm, yeah. I have that as a nine and a half. <laughs> yeah, I almost added that one. This up. is literally one of my. It's Probably really good. Possibly top 10 favorite games of all time. Um, it's a fairly small card game, um, and I absolutely love it. Um, it's fairly, it's almost like Hunger Games, the card game, in that there's like a capital city and like your own personal district, and right. you're trying to balance um, math wise numbers between the two. Plus, there's special powers you can take, and it's just, it, it all comes together so smoothly and so much fun. Um, I'm fairly terrible at this game, but I just absolutely love to play it. And that's Capital Lux. Great game. And then um, last but not least is uh, World's Fair 1893, which is <laughs> oh, rated yeah. as a 6.659. And I think it's substantially better than that. I, I really, really, you've heard me rave about this game a million times before. <laughs> you've played it. Yep, I love this one. Um, and I just think that it should be much much higher than it is and i think it's it's super sad that it's only 6.659 nice yeah i had to agree with both of those for sure um all right guys well there you go yeah i think all of these games are worth playing and checking out i think a lot of games that are that get lost in the scoring system are like i said smaller or they do something that's a little u- unique or off the beaten path and maybe they don't hit it perfectly but i i think it's worth trying to play a game that a designer made an attempt at going off a little bit skewed direction um a it just sort of keeps gaming fresh and it also as a designer it kind of gives you ideas of options that you could consider or, or inspiration at least to um to take a 
take a trope and maybe run a different direction with it. So absolutely, I think it's worth checking out all of these games just because uh, they're good games, but also for those reasons as well. Yes, yeah, so if you've been trying to like looking at any of these games saying, hey, you know what? I'm thinking about picking that up, but it's rated low on BGG. Who cares? Yeah. Go, go, go buy your game. Enjoy it. And you're welcome. Yeah. There's, there's listen to that one gamer who's just like, I wrote this game's great. I love this one. As long as he's not to the designer. Right. <laughs> hyping yeah. his own game. Yeah. Listen you know. to that guy. Yeah. But uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, if you guys want to reach out to us, there are many ways to do that. You can hit us up on Twitter and Instagram <laughs> at Roasted Games one uh, you can also go to, uh, let's see, what are we doing? What, what are we, uh, you could search, we for, people these days? search for Roasted Games on Facebook. You can also go. go to um, our podcast network page at ease-drop.com and then uh, find the Roasted Games page. There's a feedback form. And uh, you could also uh, roastedgamesco at gmail.com. Uh, roasted.games is our website. <laughs> Still waiting for those letters. We're getting pretty desperate <laughs> here, guys. So... Uh, yeah, reach out. Uh, give us some suggestions. We are always will- willing to put together uh, lists or uh, talk about topics, review games, what have you that uh, that you want to hear about. So yeah. let us know, and well, we'll make it happen. All right, guys. Well, thank you for listening, and we will catch you guys on the next episode. Bye.